Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest one of the psychiatrists in our own practice, Dr. Jordan David. Dr. David specializes in treating college students and young professionals whose mood anxiety or inattention are interfering with their personal, professional, or academic success. He completed his general and adult psychiatry residency and emergency psychiatry chief residency at the University of Southern California Medical Center. He earned his doctor in medicine from New York Medical College, Master's of Science in Public Health from John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, and Bachelor of Science from the George Washington University. His practice is based on developing and maintaining close and trusting relationships. He partners with each patient to learn about their life, their strengths, their relationships, and their joys, in addition to their stressors and symptoms. Upon this foundation, Dr. David and his patients work together to develop a personalized treatment plan to feel well. He makes sure that all of his patients' questions are answered before each visit concludes. Welcome, Dr. David. Welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I have Dr. Jordan David, who is one of the psychiatrists in our practice. Welcome, Dr. David. Thank you. Hello. Hi. So I think it would be really helpful to talk a little bit about treatment of anxiety during these uncertain and stressful times. And I know that in our practice and in the patients that you see, we see a lot of anxiety and we're seeing it more and more every day, not only in new patients that are coming into our practice through telemedicine, but also patients that we've seen for quite a while who have maybe a history of mild anxiety that seems to really be flaring up during this time. How do you think about approaching treatment of anxiety, especially during this time in history? We are living through a really unprecedented time on so many levels, and the present circumstances are impacting all of the patients that I see in very different ways. Many patients are coming to see me with anxiety, and people's anxiety can impact their sleep, their concentration their interpersonal functioning, their ability to have meaningful relationships with their family and friends. And we see all of that. And we're very lucky to live in a time where we have many treatments that we can prescribe to help alleviate a lot of those painful symptoms. Right. And I think sometimes what people think about during these times is they think, okay, you know, it's just an anxious time for the world in general, right? And so why should I even think about treating my anxiety symptoms if everyone is going through it? It's true. Many, many people are experiencing anxiety. And I find that when people come to a psychiatrist for help with their anxiety, it's because their anxiety is impairing their ability to function in some way. They're having difficulty completing their work at their job. They're having difficulty managing their household and getting their kids on all of their tele-school activities their anxiety is impacting their ability to sleep. And all of these things are very, very challenging. And so that's why we are here. We can help with all of these different things. Right. And I think it's important to know it's not that we're trying to minimize the impact or the seriousness of the moment that everyone is going through. It's more about given the time, right? could you be functioning better despite everything that's going on in a way that allows your quality of life to just be somewhat better? 
Right. I completely agree. I think the goal with my patients is to get them back to feeling like their normal selves. Mm -hmm. Despite difficult times. Despite difficult times. Yeah. Right. What are some treatment options that as a psychiatrist you have to offer to people? I like to divide the pharmacologic options for anxiety into two categories. The first category is the as needed category. And these are different types of medicines that can help treat your sleep when you're not sleeping. They can help treat if your anxiety is overwhelming for a brief time, we can help treat that. So those are the category of as needed treatments. The second category of medicines are called standing or everyday medicines. And these medicines work best when taken every single day. And these are really for folks who are so impaired by their anxiety that their anxiety is present all the time. It's always there morning, noon, and night. It is constantly impairing their ability to sleep, to function, to work, to have relationships with their family and friends. And we find that these medicines can be helpful. How would someone maybe think about the as-needed versus daily medication? How does someone think about what would be the most appropriate choice for them? The appropriate choice is such an individualized question, and that's why we spend a very long time in our initial assessment getting to know the patient, getting to know exactly what they're experiencing, exactly where their sticking points are, exactly how their anxiety is impairing their functioning, and that really guides the treatment decision. Got it. Right. And I know a lot of people are concerned about, okay, I want to take something for anxiety, but I'm afraid of getting addicted to it. How do you counsel people about that concern? There are some medicines that are addicting. And even the ones that are not addicting can have adverse effects or undesired side effects. And so that's why I like to spend a lot of the initial assessment with my patient going over all of the options, discussing the anticipated benefits, the common side effects. And that's when we decide together as a doctor and as a patient, which treatment option, given all these things taken together, we think is the best one to choose. Right. A lot of people that I see are already anxious just in general. And then the idea of maybe thinking about adding something into the mix that they'd never done before makes them even more anxious. How can you help with that sort of process and make it feel a little bit more comfortable to someone who's new to this? That's an extremely, extremely common question and concern that comes up when I see patients, especially patients who are new to psychiatry. And the answer is, is that it is a little scary at first, but we find that many, many patients who have that leap of faith and do use the medicine find that it gives them a great benefit. Right, right. And I think it's also helpful to know that all the psychiatrists in our group at Cal Psychiatry welcome and recommend that people stay in touch with us between visits too, right? And so when you have that first visit with your psychiatrist, but it's not like you're left hanging on your own until your next scheduled visit, oftentimes it's really important just to say, you know, reach out to us, you know, if there's ever a question about anything you're doing, especially in the beginning when you're trying out something new. And that in a way just helps people feel a little bit more supported in the process and that you're kind of on their team working together with them to kind of help move forward. 
I completely agree. We're really lucky to have a system where we can have text messaging that is HIPAA compliant and secure and phone calls that are HIPAA compliant and secure and video calls that are HIPAA compliant and secure. Another thing that we do at Cal Psychiatry is we establish relationships with your therapists as well. And so you might be seeing your therapist every week or every other week, and you might see your psychiatrist once a month or every other month. And we're very happy to work collaboratively with you and with your therapist so that we can all be on the same page. Right. I agree. And I mean, I think the other question comes up, okay, well, if I'm in therapy and I feel like I'm really getting something out of therapy, though, I still have this anxiety that's really kind of impacting certain aspects of my life. I know some people might be concerned, but does the medication take the place of therapy? What happens to my therapeutic process if I take medication? How do you talk about that with your your clients and patients? Anxiety is such a complex disease and so many things contribute to it. And similarly, treating anxiety is a complex, multifaceted process. So therapy is very, very effective for treating anxiety. So is optimizing food intake, optimizing caffeine intake, optimizing sleep and exercise. Similarly, I view medicines as another modality in this entire basket of options. And so my hope is that medications can help make it easier to address all these other things. Right. And what about the person who comes in saying, okay, I think I just want medication and they don't have a therapist. I mean, sometimes it goes, patients come to us without a therapist and maybe we help educate them about you know, not only medication that can be helpful, but like you said, all these other modalities. So it's not that we're just focused on the medication piece. I mean, that is our specialty in what we do. But I mean, I think it's important for people to know who are thinking about medication that we're not just going to be looking only at the medication side of things. I mean, we're going to be maybe recommending that, but also recommending some other ideas and giving resources to people for kind of other non-pharmacological options and additions to their anxiety treatment. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think of other topics about anxiety during the time of COVID and these changing times. Anything else that comes to mind in terms of questions that people often ask? I think given that we're using telepsychiatry, it's important to note that certain medications are considered controlled substances by the DEA and the FDA. And even though we're using telepsychiatry, we are able to still prescribe controlled substances. However, when this emergency is over, we will need to resume in-person psychiatry visits in order to continue prescribing controlled substances. Right. And I think it's actually, I'm glad you brought up that point because it brings up some questions that people might have about, okay, telepsychiatry, is that the same? What am I missing if I'm not seeing someone in person? What is the plan? Am I, if I initiate care through telepsychiatry, is it only going to be virtual or will it transition to in-person? What are your experiences with that during this pandemic period? My experience with having transitioned to telepsychiatry is that It's not a perfect replacement for in-person visits, but it's a good replacement for in-person visits for the time being. And I think we're going to experience a transformation in how care is delivered in this country moving forward. I think moving forward, we're going to see a lot more flexibility on using perhaps a hybrid model between in-person visits or telepsychiatry visits 
when in-person isn't an option. And that's often the case. I think this is going to lead to a greater access to care for people who weren't able to access care prior to this. And do you think that the quality of the care over virtual means is similar to in-person? I think that the quality of care over virtual means is similar to what you would get on an in-person visit. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it maybe has to do with what someone prefers. And so in some ways, you know, telepsychiatry or virtual visits with somebody, someone is sometimes more willing to share if they're feeling that they're in the comfort of their own home or a comfortable setting instead of a doctor's office that's new to them, right? Other people might find it stressful. They have kids right outside their door. I mean, I think it just depends right on the individual. But I mean, I could see in some cases that telepsychiatry could be preferable to in-person visits, not only because of the access issue, but because of just comfort and feeling secure in your own space. I completely agree. I think that there are barriers potentially to both. On in-person visits, you have to think about traffic and planning and a babysitter and paying for parking. And so there's lots of issues with in-person visits as well. I think on telepsychiatry visits, there can be a lot of opportunities. You can choose a space in your home that's most comfortable. If there's not privacy, I have patients who see me on telepsychiatry from the comfort of their driver's seat in their car. That's a great So point. there is a wide range of ways that people engage in telepsychiatry. And I think that speaks to one of the strengths, which is that it is a lowering of the barrier to accessing care. Right. Yeah, and I hope over time as our offices do open up that our patients do understand that there's a hybrid option available to them, whatever they feel most comfortable doing, right? I mean, within reason. I mean, eventually it would be great to be able to see someone, especially if they're a local and able to come in once in a while, because you do get a little bit of a different sense of a person when you see them in their flesh in person. And I'm imagining much more of a flexibility with the combination of using in-person and telepsychiatry as kind of appropriate treatment options for most people. I completely agree. I think that when you're on an in-person visit, there's a lot of nonverbal cues that you can pick up when you're in the room with someone. And maybe a degree of that is lost over telepsychiatry. But I do completely agree that moving forward, some kind of a hybrid model will really allow more people to access care. Right. And maybe just for the listener, a little bit more of a logistic, just to kind of go over logistics. So patients can register electronically, which we've always done, which you know our, we're still doing over telepsychiatry. We do videos over a HIPAA compliant platform. Some question comes up, people say, well, how do you prescribe me medication if you can't hand me a prescription? So what do you do? How do you do that? Yeah. So we have electronic prescribing set up. We can send your prescription to any pharmacy and we do the whole triage and intake and scheduling all remotely via a compliant communication platform. And we can even collaborate with your other physicians, with your therapist, with any other folks who are interested in your care uh, and you give us permission to speak with, we can collaborate remotely. Right. And you know, I was just thinking about it. Most collaboration with outside providers, other physicians, other treatment providers like therapists or psychologists, that's usually always done remotely between providers, actually. And you know what I've noticed these last few months is that 
people are more excited about collaborating with other providers because people want that connection and feel like they want to make sure that their clients or patients are really getting the best care that they need. And people are kind of thinking about and talking about them who are really involved in their care. And that really is kind of the hallmark of our practice is this idea that, you know, it's really important to take all different treatment specialties that the person is kind of interacting with and helping kind of get them to where they want to be that it's so important that everyone is in communication, that everyone's on the same page and really working so together as a team to really make sure that the person gets better and just the appropriate care and their needs met. That's absolutely right. And I I would just add that collaborating with other physicians in their specialties and helping the patient to optimize all their other medical conditions can also itself help with the treatment of anxiety and mood disorders. Just that you feel that someone's really kind of thinking of you and making sure that they're taking every single thing into consideration to help you get back to you, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, this was really great. I really, I found this very interesting. So I really appreciate you being part of this interview. And I hope our listeners can find some important information within this interview. So thank you, Dr. David, for being here. Thank you, Dr. McNary. This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and offices in downtown Los Angeles, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina del Rey, and Echo Park, Health Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.